Now please join me in 30 seconds of silence as we ground ourselves for today's service. Good morning. Welcome. We've given Dr. Patrick a long weekend off. We don't do that too, too often where he doesn't have other commitments, gets to enjoy himself. And I'm thrilled to be with you here once again today. So let us come together in consciousness into that still and silent place within to gather in prayer, to declare our intentions and affirmations for this day together. I just invite you to take that deep cleansing breath, allowing yourself to just surrender in this moment to what is wanting to be known and felt and heard. Remembering that everyone, every being in the universe is the expression of one, one power, one light, one love, one that is infinite and divine. It springs into its existence Perfect, perfectly and freely and takes on the physical body of each and every one of us and it lets circumstances complete it in this lifetime it nourishes us it maintains us and cares for us it comforts and protects us and it takes us back to itself it creates us without possessing us. It acts without expecting anything from us. And it guides us without interfering. It is the love that is embedded within us. It is the very nature of all things created, including you and me. So this day I stand at this high altar of consciousness knowing that what is given is already whole and full and complete, that there is nothing I can do to enhance or diminish the gift given. It is simply mine to discover this day and every day. As I release myself from any bind to the past or anything that is not true, as I embrace that willingness to know, to know my God, to know my Creator, to connect and co-create with it and know that we all benefit. So I know this day is good and very good for I am here, I am alive, I am awake, I am breathing, my heart is beating and I can put a smile on my face. I'm in deep gratitude for all who have gone before me. I'm in deep gratitude for all who show up here with me today, every person who is in service making music, singing, being with children and youth, supporting this program and all aspects of it in every good way. And for those who walk through the door for the first time or for the next time, who hear a message, who are inspired, who take something into their heart, 
embody it and make it unique in their own and share it with the world. That's all we're asked to do, be who we are and share ourselves with the world. So I release these words, letting them work their truth and their magic this day in many delightful ways and release it, claim it with me by saying, and so it is. Always a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful to have Andrea Menard here. Her music is so on message today. At the first service, I sort of felt like, well, I don't think I need to say anything more. And just wait till you hear her again. It gets even better. I wanted to begin with sharing a story of something the Buddha taught. He was asked, how rare is it to be incarnated as a human being? And this was his answer. He said, it is like a tortoise sitting on the bottom of the ocean who drifts upwards and breaks the surface and pokes their head out and looks around and takes a gulp of air and drifts back down to the bottom of the ocean. And a while later, drifts back up and breaks surface with the water and pokes the head out and looks around And he asks, how rare would it be for that tortoise to break surface in exactly the same spot both times? Buddha said, that's how rare it is for each one of us to be incarnated at this time and in this place and on this planet. Knowing that we are rare and precious in the eye of our Creator, I know that we are here to be transformed by our journey. That's my belief. And we get to ask ourselves on this journey, so how will I be? How will I carry myself? Who will I love? What do I need to know? And knowing how precious and rare we are doesn't stop us from having our own fears and worries and concerns. It doesn't stop us from still seeking truth and our worthiness even as we stumble upon those answers sometimes in moments when we're broken or in moments when we're in love. I was listening to um, Mark Nepo recently and he was talking about how we sometimes ascribe to myths and stories that others have told and we embed a meaning into them that maybe there's another way of looking at them. He shared the myth of Adam and Eve. You remember Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden, in that paradise. I think they were on honeymoon myself. And here they had all the, the fruits available to them in the garden. And it was just a wonderful place to be. And as the story goes, they were tempted by the snake to eat from the tree of life. And they got kicked out, right? So Mark Nepo says, well, what if, what if... They were, nev- they were meant to leave the garden. What if they were never meant to really stay their whole lifetime? What if they were really meant? What if that was just an initiation time, not a destination place? And what if they were just delaying their entry into the world because they were just enjoying it so much, you know, the bliss of the Garden of Eden, I can only imagine. What if God said to them, yes, yes, go ahead, eat from the tree of life 
and knowledge and take it out into the world with you. Yes, I know there will be difficult times and you will need clarity and you will feel pain, but there will also be great beauty and truth when you do this. And they said maybe, no, 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 we don't really want to go. We like it here. This is good. We're going to build a condo and we're going to stay and that's that. So God sent the snake in to help them along in their journey out of the garden so that when they left, that they could take a piece of that heaven with them wherever they go. And what if the meaning we got from that story, you know, the original story we get that, oh, original sin, now we're all born sinners. Oh, the woman was the one responsible, so now women are responsible for all the pain in the world. Like, I mean, I can let go of those stories right here and right now. What if the bigger story was that we take a piece of heaven with us? And what if wherever we go, whatever we are in the midst of, we can find heaven wherever we are? I much prefer that story. I found a little piece of heaven for myself this week. And as some of you know, I, was, I went on retreat this past week. I was in a place called Eagle Creek at a retreat center just outside of Portland, Oregon. And... Um, when we arrived, it was just a beautiful day. I love, I love landing in Portland on a clear sky because you see the uh, Mount St. Helens and Mount Hood and, and these huge volcanic-like mountains that just sort of stick out and the, the green of the uh, surroundings. And so when we arrived, the, it, was, it was beautiful. The temperature all week was in the upper 20s and um, it was so lush because it had been raining there steadily up until that week that we arrived. And so it was actually quite, quite a wonderful place to be in. The retreat center itself is very pristine amongst all these trees and ferns and the rhododendrons were blooming and it, it, it was a piece of heaven as well. It's the second time I've actually gone on this retreat and it, the retreat is called Living My Life Purpose and, and that is my, my topic today, Living My Life with uh, Intentions with Purpose and On Purpose. And I find that when I jump into things twice like this, the first time I go, knowing that um, it's an experience for me as a minister and it's my opportunity to kind of, you know, settle into doing some of my own uh, work and exploration, but knowing that I'm going to probably teach this as I am doing right now, that my mind really wants to absorb as much information. My heart is open to to be in the experience and to do my own personal spiritual growth work, but my mind is really, you know, grabbing every bit of information I can to take back with me. And so the second time that I go and, and, and do that, I can be there in a little bit different way and, and just listen differently and hear it and feel it and be part of it differently. So... Um, so that was a good opportunity for me. And when we go into retreat like this and it's filled with ministers, we're asked to do a lot of preparation and consciousness before we go on retreat. We wanna, we do, we're asked to do a lot of prayer work. We're asked to raise and praise all of the participants before we get there and to kind of do some releasing work and, and, and just to sort of be as ready for retreat as we can be. I was reminded of a quote that I used in a talk last year about uh, perfect preparation, and it was one that I modified from Michael Jordan, and this is what I made it as. I said, prior, proper, perfect preparation is the prerequisite for personal possibility, potential, and purpose, and power to be realized and revealed. And that's certainly a lot of what I was doing in getting ready to go on retreat. 
And because I had done this before, I knew exactly what one of the first activities would be when we got into the actual uh, retreat activity portion of it, and that would be to set our intentions for that week. And what the creators of the, uh, of the retreat and the materials do is they, they create a class covenant so that we are aware of their commitments and their agreements and their intentions for doing this work. And we, as participants, get to add two more intentions, at least, one for ourselves and one with all of the class participants in mind. So as I was on the plane and contemplating and, and doing sort of some of this preliminary work, I was thinking about what my intentions might be, because I knew it was coming, right? And I was scribbling madly, filled pages in my little journal book there, and I thought about, um, yeah, what I, what I wanted to do. But of course, once, once we're in the retreat, they have these wonderful processes we call uh, guided meditations and visualizations and prayers and, and whatnot that we're guided through. Because the whole idea, when we want to get clear about purpose and intention, is that we don't just look around at our outer world. Because those are the conditions and circumstances and experiences that have been created by our prior beliefs and attitudes and what we hold in consciousness. If we want to create newness, if we want to experience more, greater, different, we have to go into a higher level. We have to move from the physical and mental planes into a spiritual plane of being. And we don't access that with our mind we access it kind of through the back door of our heart and we feel our way into it and we invite the presence of that inner knower within to reveal that to us. So I knew that these processes would be used in this retreat as they were and are and, and that was how we would each be guided to, um, to our intentions and, and, and the like. So in that process for me, I got two words, not big long sentences, Two words, surrender and open. And I instantly knew what they meant for me. Surrender was my personal intention. I really needed to be there for the week, emptied out. I had to just, you know, let go of everything and just show up at the table, at the prayer circle, at the retreat, just very much in a place where I could be open and receive, not just from the facilitators, but also from God as all of the participants in the retreat. And so those two words sort of stayed with me for the retreat. I knew that going into this whole week, and if you've heard me speak in the last few weeks, um, uh, you've heard me talk about my mom being in hospital, and she is still in hospital, and so I was a little conflicted about going out of town for five days when my mom was still in hospital, knowing that I'm her main support here in town. And it wasn't up until just days before the, I was to leave for the retreat that I made my final decision to go, that in that week beforehand, mom had kind of turned a corner and had brightened up and, and was a lot more alert and was participating in her therapy. She was getting stronger, she was walking better. Things were generally looking better and she was aware that I was going away and she was okay with that. One of the um, commitments I made with the hospital staff was that I would make myself available for a teleconference uh, while I was away to do the discharge planning because that was one of their plans for the week was to have a, a family conference and do that discharge planning. And I said, yes, I will make myself available by phone for that call. So 
I felt like um, even though I had this in the background of my week, I, I could still, you know, get through it. And so the first aspect of the retreat then after writing our intentions for being there was to identify our purpose. And our purpose in a spiritual sense isn't the thing that we do or the thing that we want to have. It's really a lot more than that and it's a lot more to do with how we show up in the world and what is that uh, way that we express the divine through us in our own unique individualized way. And so this purpose is like a calling and a calling is really the word of God that's written on our heart. And at the spiritual level of our being, this call of God is like a silent whisper in our heart, calling us to be something more than we have ever been before. It is the word of God acting through us in order to express life as us in a more abundant way. I'm gonna say that again. It is the word of God in us acting through us in order to express life, big L life, as us with ever-increasing abundance. It is within us, but sometimes it feels like it's outside of us and that there's something in life that's pulling us, our circumstances pulling us, but truly it starts within. In the past, the word that I've often worked with as my purpose word was love. And I realized on reflection that that was a really important stage for me to go through to understand in a greater way what unconditional love is. Because in my past, I had lots of ideas about love, but it was uh, very conditional love. It was, um, you know, if you can tick off all the boxes, I'll love you. If you do this, I will love you. If you don't do that, I will love you. There was a lot of conditions attached to love for me. And so by embracing that as a, as a very highest spiritual quality of God in the agape or unconditional sense, I came to realize and understand how I can be love, how I can love without uh, demanding uh, that anybody do anything, that I could just love somebody, love something, just because of who it is and what it is. And I knew coming into this retreat, I had this inkling that my word was going to change, that my purpose word was going to change. So I was kind of preparing myself for that. And so as we were led into our guided meditation to uh, discover you know, what our purpose word was, to, to connect with that higher wisdom self, to kind of get our mind out of the way and allow something to be revealed to us, you know, we go into the meditation, connect with our breath, relax, make our agreements, and bang, my mind was in every direction you can imagine. Not just, not just wandering thoughts. I had full-blown movies playing in my head, and, and there were plots, and they were thick, and they were juicy, and I was right in the middle of it, and oh, it was so enticing, and I couldn't withdraw from myself. And the next thing I heard was, and now gradually bring your awareness back into the room. <laughs> And I'm going like, what? We're done? We can't be done. I don't have my word yet. I need my word. I need my word. What? Do it over. Start over. I was, I was a little upset. <laughs> oh, surrender. Be open. I wasn't the only one having trouble that day. 
other people kind of confessed as well. It was kind of cute. And then what happened is that we were invited to share. Well, I had nothing much to share. Did I want to share the movie I was watching? Not really. But someone else shared because she was having a lot of resistance to the word she got. It was a word she said that she didn't want. She tried really hard to make it something else, but it just wouldn't go away. And her word was beauty. And as she talked about it, I started having this really visceral reaction to that word beauty. It's not one that I really claim a lot. It's one that I talk about and teach, um, that you know, beauty is a quality of God. It's, it's something that we can all agree on that uh, is a quality of God that has no opposite in the mind of God. But so often we're turned to the aesthetics of beauty and, and what beauty looks like in the outer world. And, and sometimes letting go of that has been a little challenging in the past. And it's, yeah, just, just not something I've spent a lot of time with. But here I was having this big reaction just to hearing the word. And it occurred to me, maybe this was my word. And as I came into that silent agreement with God that beauty might be my purpose word, that churning and that visceral reaction just subsided and dissolved and went away. Yep, I think that was my word. Oh, what to do? Because my mind really didn't know where this was going to take me. Oh, that's scary. I like to know where I'm going. I didn't really know what it was going to show me, but yet there was something in me that was also excited and curious and really wanted me to work with this word and find out more about it. So I surrendered and stayed open. The thing about our purpose, remember, is it's not what we do or have or control. It is at the core of our being, the way we are, and the presence we are. We need to give it a place to land within us. We need to acknowledge it. We need to bring it into our awareness. We need to let it rest within us. We don't need to force it, but we need to practice it. We need to be a place for it to be expressed. In the Tao, they talk about wei wu wei, doing, not doing. That idea that when we're... Um, sort of embodying a practice, when we're embodying an idea, when we're embodying a quality, a gift, there's things about it we have to practice, we have to come to understand it, we have to come to know it in a greater and deeper way. But there comes a point where that beingness, that quality of it, just becomes a part of who we are and it just shows up without us even trying very hard. It's, it's like the dancer learning the dance and at some point the dance just becomes them. Uh, a painter and a painting, um, a player in a game. At some point there's been enough practice and enough embodying of a certain quality that it just becomes the way we are and it shows up without us even trying. The next thing to do with this purpose word was to look for promises from God. And promises from God are what has been written in sacred texts and scripture and by deep and profound authors and writers and poets. And it was intended to, for us to get an idea of what have been the promises that God has made about this purpose word. So I began my exploration. And what I found was this quote from the Quran. It is God who has made for you the earth as a meeting place, the sky as a canopy, and has given you shape 
and has made your shape beautiful and has provided you sustenance of things pure and good. Oh, I could take that in. I could accept that promise, the promise that I have been given a home, a place to live on this earth, that I've been given a canopy of protection, of life-sustaining air and oxygen to breathe, that I have been given a form, a life that is beautiful, and I have been given everything to sustain that life. Yeah, I want to believe that. I want to accept that promise. Helen Keller wrote, the most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt in the heart. And that was really true with me. That really resonated with me. Khalil Gibran said, beauty is a light in the heart. When you reach the heart of life, you shall find beauty in all things. It's not that beauty is reserved for anyone. It's there. It's in everyone already. And the Buddha said, this is one of my favorites, love is beauty and beauty is truth. And that is why in the beauty of a flower, we can see the truth of the whole universe. Mm. Isn't that lovely? So my definition for beauty really expanded quickly. It now included words like harmony and truth and excellence and originality. And these were all things I was willing to claim for myself and willing to claim for anybody else I knew. But in order to be truly available for our purpose, to let that greater idea flow through us unobstructed, we have to let go of some old beliefs, some errors, things that, myths that we've, you know, agreed to or ascribed to, that maybe there's more to the story, just like Adam and Eve. In the Tao, it says, fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill over. Keep sharpening your knife and it will blunt. Chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you will always be their prisoner. The idea is that we set our intentions, we get clear with our purpose, we give our gifts, we share, we show up in the world, we do our work and then we step back. We do our work and we let go of any attachment to it and then we step back. Because when we're stuffing ourselves and filling ourselves and grabbing onto everything in life we can get to try and fill ourselves up and be satisfied and just feel fulfilled, it doesn't take very much for some of that to spill over the edge of the bowl or for the, a knife to become dull again or to become a prisoner to those things that we thought we wanted in life. We cannot carry these errors of belief with us and expect to do this deep, profound healing and co-creative work. The joke at the uh, retreat became that we had this beautiful retreat center and all these wonderful, beautiful people that we gathered with and these wonderful facilitators who were leading us. And we, we had created this container of just this absolute love and acceptance. And here we were all together. And now, on day two... We were dealing with our errors of belief and it was like we were all, it was like our container was now a blender and we were all thrown in and someone pushed frappe because <laughs> we were all churned up inside and what came out on the other side didn't look pretty and it didn't look like what we were when we walked in. But this is part of the process of life that in order to, to welcome and be that higher idea, we, we have to really let go of those old things. 
So as I was getting into the process and getting into the promises and starting to, you know, be inspired and write my intentions for my ministry and everything was just rolling along really, really beautifully, I still had my mom sitting in the back drop of my mind and my week. And it was Thursday all of a sudden and that teleconference call uh, needed to happen. And I just found that I was in a lot of resistance. And, and I'd already talked with the hospital staff and I knew a lot of, of what they were uh, going to say, most likely. Uh, I didn't know if much had changed in, in, the, in the weeks or the days that, since I'd seen her. Um, and I knew I was in resistance because as the call was being put through to me at the retreat center, it got dropped three times. Like, you know, what's that about? And so um, when we were connected and my mom was in the room with all of her healthcare professionals, I was on the phone in Oregon. My sister in BC was on the phone. My mom, I could hear, was very emotional and I got very emotional and I, and I realized in that moment that I really would have preferred to have been in that room with her at this point in time. And so as the call unfolded and everyone reported on their findings and their recommendations, I realized within myself that, that life was changing for my mom, and of course that meant for me too. And um, any images or ideas from the past or the future that I had held were, were being shifted and changed as, as her condition was, uh, you know, she's 86 and the body is wearing out and the mind is wearing out and, and things just aren't as they used to be and I had to come to a place of acceptance with that but of course I had to have a big cry about it first. And so as I hung up from that call I was in a very, very emotional place and I was just really grateful that I had this wonderful container of love and acceptance to be with, to have this experience, even though part of me wanted to be home. And so I decided that um, that surrender word kept showing up and I just needed to surrender into that moment and the emotions that I was feeling and that I just needed to be with them and there was no point diminishing them, denying them or trying to stuff them out of the way, even though I was at the retreat and I had work to do. <laughs> I just needed to let go of all of that and be with exactly what was going on in me in that moment. And, and sure enough, over, over time, you know, over the next you know, bit of time, I, I calmed on the inside and I could tune in and hear my guidance much clearer. And the guidance that came into me at that point in time was, go sit. Go now, go to the balcony, sit on the chair, but go now. And that was my clue to just go into meditation. I surrendered to the feelings. I let the feelings rush through me. I let them, you know, pull at my heartstrings. And now it was time to sit and be open because there was something more that wanted, needed to be known by me and through me. And so as I came out of that meditation, I came out of it with a very huge awareness that all of the intentions that I had been writing no longer really seemed to apply to life as it was changing before my eyes. That the ministry that I was thinking and intending around somehow didn't line up with what I was feeling and knowing and what was happening in my relationship with my mom. And so it didn't feel authentic anymore. I didn't really feel I could do the work. But yet I was at the retreat and I was there to do work and I was there to, to find out something more. And so as I continued to surrender and stay open. 
I realized that I, did, I could still write my intentions. My purpose word of beauty was wonderful, and I had all these promises that I just so believed in. But my intentions, they could include what was happening with my mom, my relationship with this, and all the things that I wanted to be in the world as well. And in the Tao it says, you can't know it, but you can be it, at ease in your own life. Just realize where you come from. This is the essence of wisdom. And it also says, do you have the patience until your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving until the right action arises itself? Well, this is what I had to do for myself. Could I wait until the mud settled? Could I let the water be clear? Could I just be still long enough to allow the right action to rise within me? It became very clear that that these uh, new intentions needed to stand the test of all that was going on in my life. And I got really clear really fast with them and I wrote them down and I could see that these new intentions that I was writing truly reflected the values and the beliefs and things that I still was in agreement with from my past, but they also allowed me to honor who I am in the present and who my mother is and and all of the things that were happening for her. Remember, uh, I was remembering Mark Nepo's words that the rewards for being alive are here, right here, right now. Being free of our burdens doesn't serve us. Being free of all of this stuff with my mom was not going to serve me. I really, this was part of where I'm at, right here and right now, and it, I had to encompass all of that in, into my work. There is no way out of here except by being here. And so I found that I was being worked on in a most beautiful way. I was discovering that there was a harmony in all the events that were taking place in my life. The events with my mom, the events at the retreat, the awarenesses, the need to surrender, the need to be open, that truth was being revealed to me and I was willing to make a commitment to excellence in all of these areas of my life. And I was willing to invite newness as well. And as I wrote my intentions, and as I had this awareness, and as I embodied beauty in a way like I had never embodied it before, I was flooded with gratitude, huge gratitude, for having the eyes to see and the heart to feel, and to being called in a way that was honoring to both me and the people in my life and the commitments that I had already made. My covenant became my prayer, and my prayer became my way to live, to be, to be spirit as a human. I would like to close with a a poem from David White. He is a lovely, famous poet whose work we've shared in the past. He uh, worked for an airline, Boeing, at one point in time, and he flies all over the world. So in this poem, he's making a reference to, to planes and airplanes and flight. And he speaks so beautifully about how we show up in the world and how we co-create with that invisible presence. And he writes, we shape ourselves to fit this world and by the world we are shaped again, the visible 
and the invisible, working together in a common cause to produce the miraculous. I truly felt like I have shaped myself to be in this world and that the world has in turn shaped me to be even better. That I'm working with what I see, I'm also working with what I feel. And that together, miracles are happening in my life. He says, I am thinking of the way, and this is a great visual, I am thinking of the way intangible air passes with speed around the shaped wing and easily holds our weight. Thinking of the way intangible air passes with speed around the shaped wing like of an airplane or a bird's wing and easily holds its weight up in the air that it may fly and soar. So may we in this life trust those elements that we cannot see or even imagine at this point and look to the true shape, the true purpose in our life and of our own self by forming it well, by setting our intentions and being clear about them and allowing our intentions to set the direction for our life with our purpose in mind and allow those quiet intangibles around us to support our weight and hold us in this life. That is what I will know for all of us. Thank you for being here today. Namaste. Namaste.